Okie dokie, I want to talk about faith today. And uh, you can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Uh, But I'll just be talking um, just a little bit before we get to the passage, before we get to read the passage. I want to talk about faith and I want to talk about being tested. And according to this story in Genesis, um, faith... This is a story about Abraham and Isaac. Um, you're probably familiar with it, with that story. But, um, and, and we'll read it in a sec. But this story um, is about Abraham um, proving his faith by passing a test. So I remember as a child... Um, Mum would give me two bob and she'd say, shoot up to Hugo's Bakery and grab me a loaf of bread. And I'd come home. The bread was unsliced in those days. And by the time I got home, the bread was hollow. <coughs> okay. So her faith in me was very low and I didn't pass the test. But you see, in those days you're allowed to give your kids a clip under the ear and then you had to buy the next loaf of bread out of your pocket money and go up the street again and get the bread and bring it home whole. And so after a while, I passed the test by being faithful. And it's similar in this story I want to start off with an introduction. It's interesting, or really quite amazing, what people will believe. And sometimes people believe anything they read in a magazine. And I've got some quotes here from magazines. Cow mattresses help cows to produce more milk. Okay, was it in a magazine? Mum to be on diet of only chicken lays huge egg. <laughs> okay. World War II bomber found on the moon. <laughs> Women, no, sorry. <laughs> this is a good one. Woman gives birth to two year old baby. Child walks and talks in three days. <laughs> Here's the last one. Adam and Eve's bones found in Asia. Eve was a space alien. Okay. Now, we have a bit of a giggle, but people will read and believe absolute nonsense and rubbish. But they refuse to believe the evidence concerning God. They'll read all this junk and... We need to be tested by God. That's right, we need to be tested by God. And we also need to respond to the test. 
A test by God is designed to prove your faith. My phone just goes, luncheon today at 12 o'clock. That's a bit new. Um, I don't know how that happened. A test is designed to prove your faith. A test from God is designed to prove your faith. And for it to be a real test, it has to be a test that defies logic. You know, the impossible. We need to, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about a serious test that will reveal God to you in absolutely no uncertain terms. Boom. God's presence is revealed as a result of this test. Now, um, I want to read Genesis 22, the first 14 verses. In the NIV, simply titled, Abraham tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded the donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When they'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I take the boy and uh, go there, over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried a fire, carried the fire and the knife. I wonder how they carried the fire. It must have been like in a in some sort of fireproof object. <laughs> like a um, cast iron pot or something full of coals. Anyway. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Verse 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay the son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. 
And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Wow. So, did you place yourself in that situation as you read that story? And if you did, who were you? Were you Abraham or were you Isaac? Or were you the angel of the Lord? This was a test of how much Abraham would obey God's word. Would he cling to the boy now he had him? Or would he still obey and return him to the Lord? In other words, how far would Abraham go in obedience? Did he really believe that God would still keep his word and provide the lamb mentioned in verse 8? I mean, here he is. They're walking up the mountain together. Isaac says, well, where's the lamb, father? We've got the wood and we've got the fire. Next minute, he's on the altar. He's got the wood arranged. He's on the altar. He's bound. He pulls the knife out. His dad pulls the knife out. He's probably got a bag of coals there ready to... Like, that's going all the way, isn't it? Really, that's his only son. Oh, do you know what the word Isaac means? Laughter. His only son, who's brought him so much joy. And yet, he was prepared to follow God's instruction, even to the death and the sacrifice of his own son. How would you respond in this situation? How do you respond to God's testings in your own life? How far will you go for God? Will you go as far as Denali? Or will you go as far as the Solomon Islands or Africa or wherever to the next door neighbour? I mean, what is the test? It's going to be different for each of us. What is your percentage scale in relation to obedience to God? Is it a 1 or is it a 10? Or is it... You know? Think about it. Do you go all the way for God? Or... Does it just depend on the test? Nah, this one's too hard. Fail. Back we go and try again. Abraham had been faithful in the past. Oh, do you understand about Abraham's calling? God said to Abraham... I'm calling you out of this place where you live called Ur. You are Ur. Okay. I'm calling you out of there and I want you to go and I will lead you to the place where you're to go. He didn't even know where he's going. Even, I saw a hitchhiker yesterday. I just kept driving. He looked a bit like a person who sort of needed a lift in a way. But anyway... Um, but even a hitchhiker knows where he's going. He's got a destination in mind, but 
Abraham didn't even know where God would lead him. That's faith in itself. So he was already being tested in one area of faith and now God was testing him in another area. One thing I'll say about Abraham, I think he was a pretty good bloke because his descendants were as many as what? Sand on the beach or stars in the sky, I can't remember, or both. A fair few. And we can even count ourselves as descendant from Abraham in a spiritual sense. So think of Abraham's emotional loss of his only son born to him so late in life. Take your son, your only son Isaac, who means laughter, whom you love. The command to sacrifice his own son as a burnt offering would have undoubtedly seemed like a totally unreasonable thing to do. But Abraham proved his faith to God that day. But what are the implications to such a thing? Well, there are three people involved in this uh, discourse. We've got Abraham, we've got Isaac and we've got God. And there are implications related to each of these people. <clears throat> Excuse me. The implications related to Isaac are basically one, he submitted in obedience, and two, he got to live. <clears throat> There's not a lot said about Isaac, but, you know. He was willing to be sacrificed. But that's another story, another sermon for another day. The implications to Abraham was, one, <clears throat> Abraham gave, uh, gained favour with God through his obedience. Two, he got to keep his son. Three, his relationship with God deepened. And four, his faith in God was about 100 plus percent. But what about God? What were the implications of this discourse to God? Number one, God found an obedient servant, a usable person. Number two, the fulfilment of a plan. Number three, a human that I can trust. And number four, a human that loves me no matter what. Even to the point of taking the life of his own son. God took Abraham right to the brink of taking his own son's life. How much do you love God? How far will you go <clears throat> for God? Now we've got to understand obedience. Isaac said to his dad, where's the lamb? I don't see a lamb. <clears throat> I mean, you'd be looking around, wouldn't you? Abraham revealed his faith. God himself will provide. 
God planned the future around Isaac. And God wanted him, Abraham, to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham could not reconcile the two. One, God planned a future around Isaac. Number two, God wanted him to sacrifice Isaac. It doesn't make sense. But Abraham could not even make sense of that, but he would be obedient anyway, even if it made no sense. And sometimes we cannot understand God's logic, but it doesn't matter. Even if God's logic does not make sense to us and we can't reason it out, our call is the same as Abraham's. To be totally faithful in our obedience. So, let's talk about the substitute. To fear God means to reverence him as sovereign. To trust him implicitly and to obey him absolutely without question. That's a tough place to get to. I remember reading about Smith Wigglesworth and he got woken up by the devil one night and Satan was standing at the foot of his bed doing whatever stuff Satan does. And he looked up and he goes, ha, it's only you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. Are we at that place? I'd like to be. Because the power of God is greater than the power of sin think about that the power of God is greater than the power of sin how many times have we succumbed to some sort of temptation we've let go in a burst of anger or pride or arrogance or whatever it might be is the sin and it seems powerfully strong at the time, but the power of God is even stronger. And it has to be to be able to forgive the sin. The power of God must be stronger than the sin to be able to forgive the sin in the first place. And then you've got the grace of God that allows you to have a second crack at it and a third and a fourth and a 70 times seven. Paul wrote that God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. And the main point of Genesis 22, 9-14 is portraying an obedient servant, worshipping God in faith at great cost, and in the end, receiving God's provision. And isn't that our story? Isn't that the story of communion which we're going to celebrate It reveals the greatness of Abraham's faith. He was willing to obey God by sacrificing his son. It also reveals the greatness of Isaac's faith in submission. Yes. Isaac had everything in the world to live for. A young lad, but willingly followed his father's words, believing that God would provide a lamb.
Dennis, could you pass around the bread and the cup, please? How can believers relate this in our own relationship with God? And just as Isaac offered his life and as Jesus offered his life, so we too should offer our lives. We too should offer our lives. A test, folks, a test is designed to prove something. You have tests and exams at school. They're designed to prove that you know the subject. The apprentice goes to TAFE and he has tests to prove his occupation. And a test from God is a test to prove your faith and your faithfulness. Do you go all the way for God or does it depend on the test? A true worshipper of God holds nothing back from God but obediently gives him what he asks. Trusting that he will provide. Trusting that God will provide. I want you to be challenged today. Be challenged to trust God. More than 90%, please. And trust God 100%. This makes obedience even easier. And just as Isaac, <clears throat> pardon me, just as Isaac offered his life, and as Jesus offered his life, so we too should offer our lives to God and allow ourselves to be used by God. Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't he also offer his life? It says here, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus' sacrifice was not just about Jesus. It was not just about pleasing his Father. It was also about us. It was also about redemption. It was about the sin problem. Yes, we make mistakes. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes. <clears throat> and we need to repent for the mistakes that we make. We need to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for that thing, for that attitude, whatever it is. And you haven't repented until that thing has totally left you and it doesn't keep coming back. And just keep repenting and keep asking God to help you in whatever area 
it might be. Because we must strive for purity, strive for honesty towards God and allow the work of sanctification to complete our lives and to build our lives and to realise the redemption that we have been bought by the price of Christ's blood. Let's stand together. We thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice that has affected us and all of those who receive you as salvation in their lives. As we prepare our hearts now, Lord, we ask you to search our souls for anything, Lord, that may well be outstanding that we offer to you, Lord. We repent for our sin. We repent for our mistakes. And we ask your forgiveness upon our lives. And may we go on, Lord, stronger, better, passing the test, receiving your favour. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. And the cup. We give you thanks, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace and mercy. Lord, we know we make mistakes and sometimes we blow it time and time again. But I thank you, Lord, that you're there to help us, to carry us carry us through to be with us in the hard times and sometimes Lord we pray and pray it takes a long time for the answer to come give us patience Lord we thank you thank you that your blood has cleansed us sin we thank you Lord that Because you carried our sin, the law has been fulfilled. You've taken our punishment. What a friend we have in Jesus to do that for us. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. What an absolute privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Amen.